Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. We are coming to you live from the America First Policy Summit here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so excited to be here. Today is April 22nd, 2022, Anno Domine. Today's top headlines. First, Elon Musk. We've been covering this all week. He says that he has secured $48.5 billion in funding to buy Twitter wholly and take it private. Next, the feds have subpoenaed Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's uncle, James Biden, the brother of President Biden, over documents from his paternity suit. We'll explain what this all means next. CNN Plus, smallest violin in the world, folks, has shut down just one month after launching. And finally, Tennessee, I love this story. Tennessee has passed a bill requiring drunk drivers to pay child support if they kill a parent. All of this and more head, Human Events Daily. All right, now Daily Wire has this story, and there's a lot of moving parts here. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of what this all means. I'm just going to give you the top lines because that's what we do here, human events. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has disclosed that he received a commitment, commitment letters specifically, for $46.5 billion in funding to purchase Twitter and is eyeing a workaround since the Twitter board has been unresponsive to the billionaire mogul. Musk made it clear in securities filings that he's exploring a tender offer to acquire shares of Twitter directly from the shareholders, though he hasn't said, exactly said whether or not he decided to do. The Wall Street Journal has reported this. Trish Reagan broke this down. $2.5 billion in financing for Twitter from a group of banks led by Morgan Stanley includes a $12.5 billion in margin loan against his own Tesla shares. Keep in mind, the bulk of Elon Musk's personal net worth is because he owns so many shares of Tesla. So essentially what he's doing is taking out a loan against those shares himself. The rest of the money, $21 billion, is coming out of his own pocket. The translation, according to Reagan, this guy is serious. So what's the difference, right? What is the difference between what Elon said previously to the board and what he's saying now? Well, it's, diff it's different because of this. This is what's called a tender offer. Now, originally, Elon had made them that sweetheart deal last week, and then in response, Twitter adopted what they called the poison pill strategy. I'm sure you've heard that. So they put up the poison pill. But what's different here is that if he offers to buy the company wholesale, then the poison pill doesn't work. The poison pill only works if Elon Musk increases his share size above 15%. A tender offer is different. A tender offer goes all the way around the board and goes directly to the shareholders himself. And Elon Musk, you know, had a tweet out the other day where he tweeted the lyrics to the Elvis song, Elvis Presley song, Love Me Tender. And I saw Bloomberg had this headline up like, we have no idea what, what Elon Musk means by this. What could it possibly mean? It's like, well, it clearly means he's working on a tender offer. I think everyone kind of gets that. So the tender offer, it goes directly to the shareholders. They vote on it. The board actually has no role in the tender offer whatsoever. What does this mean? 
This guy is dead serious about purchasing Twitter, taking it back to the free speech ideals that it was founded upon. Twitter, they used to call themselves the free speech wing of the free speech party. And yet we've seen again and again, look, you got former President Obama down at Stanford right now saying, oh, it's so sad. There's so much misinformation and disinformation. And you got people from Vladimir Putin to Steve Bannon on War Room spreading disinformation out there. And we have to do something about this, right? And he said, we need to have some kind of North Star in all of this. What do we do? What do we use as a rubric for this? Well, I've got an idea for you. Here's a North Star. It's called freedom of speech. It's called the First Amendment. How about we take something that we as a country used to all agree on as the rules of the road when it comes to political discourse in this nation? And Elon said it the best himself, right? He said, keep in mind, Elon Musk is an immigrant to the United States, legal immigrant, keep reminding everyone of that. He said, freedom of speech means when someone you don't like is, about, is allowed to say something that you don't like and is protected. That's echoes and shades of Patrick Henry right there, right? I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will defend with up to my life your right to say it. This used to be the exact thing in this country that we all believed in. And when it comes down to it, I even remember growing up, they used to say, you know, if you don't like Howard Stern, turn the channel, right? Why did it come to the point? And Jonathan Haidt has this article out in the Atlantic this week saying, oh, it's so terrible. It's horrible. We know we have this misinformation, these people who disagree. No, I don't want authoritarianism. I don't want censorship. I don't want censorship with a smile. We are not going to allow this country to be turned into the CCP. So my wife was going to make dinner the other night. And she comes up to me and she says, she says, sweetheart, what would you like for dinner? And I said, I, I looked at her like my beautiful wife, Tanya Tay, and I said, tell me we have some good ranchers left, please. I know they sent us the box, it's been a while, but I'm telling you, the box that Good Rancher sends over, the meat you get in this thing, it's like, it's almost like a bottomless box, right? And we've got, you know, we've got a couple of guys in the house too that are eating on, the, uh, eating on this meat and we still have some left. So we still have some left from the initial box of Good Ranchers that was sent to us. And I'm like, sweetheart, you got whatever it is, whether it be the ribeyes, the T-bones, the New York steaks, pop it out, put it in, cook it up. It is the most delicious, delectable, succulent meat that you will ever have and is delivered straight to your door. How do you get it? It's so simple. Goodranchers.com slash poso. And make sure that when you go to goodranchers.com slash poso, you use promo code poso. Why would you use promo code poso? It's amazing. First, $30 off. And second, free express shipping. I'm telling you, when you're getting this box sent to your house, you're going to want the free shipping. You don't want to have to pay for that shipping. So go check it out. Pre-trimmed, pre-marinated chicken breasts. They're so delicious. They're easy to prepare. This is steakhouse quality. It's straight to your home. They have beef. They have chicken. They have seafood. Go check it out, by the way. And you can set up, you know, whichever kind of different options you can get. So it's very simple. Goodranchers.com slash poso. Good Ranchers American Meat Delivered. Massive news out of Delaware, the grand jury that no one is talking about. They think about this, right? The son of the president of the United States is under grand jury investigation at the federal level 
for corruption. Keep in mind, it's not some tax thing like he was talking about. It's not just some, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, I just have to pay some extra. No, 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 no. You don't convene grand juries for that. The IRS conducts a basic investigation. They, you know, they calculate how much you owe, you pay the fee, you're done. No, this isn't that. This is the grand jury in a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. They're looking at the laptop and they're looking at the entire Biden crime family operation. And I can prove this now and I can talk about the fact that it is the family because from CBS News and the great Catherine Herridge has given us the story. They're now looking at documents from the paternity lawsuit for Hunter Biden that took place between 2019 and 2020. What does this have to do? I remember her name was London Roberts. They had a child together. One who, by the way, that President Biden will never acknowledge, never even acknowledges this child as his own grandchild. When they ask him the number of grands, it's just kind of creepy. Every time they ask him how many grandkids does he have, President Biden always subtracts the number by one. He always, like a tick, right? And whether it's and maybe he doesn't realize, which you know wouldn't be surprising to me, but it is kind of something where it's like, look, that's family, and, and you don't mess with family. And I understand that families have uh, complexity to them and issues, and you know I'm trying to be very nice about this, but if that's your flesh and blood, that's your flesh and blood, and it just comes down to that, right? This isn't Game of Thrones, right? This isn't like you know um, Jon Snow or something. No, stop it, right? That is your grandchild and you should acknowledge your grandchild the same way you would any member of your family but when it comes to the story we have to dig into this because one of the things that came up in the paternity lawsuit was the financial status of hunter biden when it came to serve him his child support it came to determine how much his child support would be they actually went through a slew of documents all into his operations, his operations in Ukraine, his operations in China, his operations around the world. And one of the people that we now heard, or at least some of the documents in this, the subpoenas are going in, are actually looking at James Biden. That's right, James Biden, the brother of President Joe Biden. What does this mean? This means they are looking into the wider family. They wanna know everything that was going on in this situation because it wasn't just Hunter Biden. And you see that in the laptop. Um, I've gone through the laptop. I've looked at this. It's very, it, the stuff in there, um, obviously there's a lot of very adult stuff. There's a lot of corrupt stuff. But at the same time, you have to look at the actual documents themselves. Put your emotions aside and understand what it is you're looking at. So from CBS News. The line of questioning tracks with a federal subpoena from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware, seeking all records, documents, and accounts pertaining to all financial banking transactions between 15 business entities and Hunter Biden, including the president's brother, James Biden, as well as two business partners dating back to 2014, when Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States under President Obama. They're saying that it only has to deal with financial matters, but we know obviously that is no longer the case. It's pretty obvious, right? It's pretty obvious what was done here. And I don't know if the grand jury is specifically looking into the question of FARA, foreign agent registration violations, but that's clearly what was going on here. He was taking money, and we know this for a certainty with the case of Blue Star Strategies lobbying firms 
Boy Schiller, these law, law firms that they were then uh, contracted under for Ukrainian state-owned enterprises like Burisma Holdings, this Burisma gas company, they were able to put Hunter Biden on the board, they put his business partner, Devin Archer, on the board, and then they went in for lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C., while his father was the vice president of the United States, and they were flying around on Air Force Two while they did it. All right, this is not something that's actually hard to figure out. And you can go through the entire laptop, and believe me, I've looked at just about every single email on every single inch of this thing, recovered, deleted, you know, uh, pulled up stuff that's been, you know, different partitions, et cetera, et cetera. It's very clear, and you can draw a straight line to the corruption that was going on. He was working on behalf of Ukrainian government interests while his father was the vice president of the United States. At the very least, at the very least, he was operating as an unregistered foreign agent. And on top of that, Joe Biden, when he was the candidate, lied at the debate about his son making money from China and Ukraine. So I went to log in to my CNN Plus account yesterday and something very strange happened. I don't know. Did this, I know obviously every single one of you out there that listens to Human Events Daily and watches the show here, you also, of course, of course, log in to CNN Plus, what with such great programs as the Brian Stelter Cooking Hour, which some reason always lasts for about three hours. Um, Jake Tapper just lecturing you over and over. It's kind of interesting because the Jake Tapper lecture is not actually a scheduled program. It's something that pops up from time to time with just his finger pointing in your face, telling you that you've been very naughty and very, very bad. And, uh, you know, usually something to do with Trump or Trump supporters. And then, of course, Chris Wallace coming in to scold us and nag us and talk about the times when he was able to get a job because of the name of his father and didn't actually have to do much to, um, to, to earn his position. But just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But CNN Plus pulling the plug after 21 days. And there's something for us to understand here. There's something for us very, you know, that you can have some insight into this because I want to just explain something, break it down. The stated goal of CNN, the cable news network, the first cable news network, right? The network that kicked off the whole idea. So news used to be what? Something that came up, you know, um, in the morning, in the evening, and then, you know, there's six and 11, right? Six and 11, six o'clock news, 11 o'clock news, right? That was the idea. But Ted Turner came around late eighties, early nineties. said we're going to do, we're going to do this cable 24 hour news network. People thought it was crazy, but they did it. And ESPN came around and said 24 hour sports network, right? Both wildly successful, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. All of the people who currently work at CNN, both on camera and off camera, the journalists, the producers, the executives, their job is to report on what's going on in the world to understand and explain what's going on throughout the entire world to all of you. And that we're told that the, the great analysts and number crunchers and experts at CNN are the smartest people in the world. They must be in order to explain to us everything that's going on. And so the people that you go to, if you're someone out there, so please share this out with someone who is a CNN fan. The people who are out there who believe everything that CNN says, I just want you to ask them this singular question. Why is it 
that those same people who are supposed to understand and explain the entire world didn't even understand that CNN itself was dying on the vine. Their own network was collapsing around them and they didn't know what was happening until the plug was finally pulled. Explain to me how this works, right? And you can't, right? You can't because at the end of the day, they're doing the same thing anyone else is doing. They're copying and pasting headlines, wire reports. They're passing stuff along. People like Jim Shudo, people like, you know, Brian Stelter and Jake Taper, right? Jim Acosta. They're not sitting down and actually trying to understand these issues, right? They're just up there reporting things that they're being told to say. That's it. That's essentially all corporate media has become at this point. And that's why the new model, right? The new model of coming directly to the audience, forming a relationship with the audience is the most important thing that's always going to work, right? So all the money in the world, the billions and billions of dollars, the same way that Jeffrey Katzenberg poured $2 billion into Quibi, which was like the stupidest project that anyone could ever think of, even though I do say I like the Reno 911 sketches on there. I was glad that they brought that back. However, comma, right? However, comma. By the way, Reno 911, tangent alert. They did that whole QAnon movie, right? And people are like, why, is, why are they doing a QAnon movie on Reno 911? The one thing that they did get right in the Reno 911 QAnon movie was that when they went on the QAnon cruise, like the Patriot cruise, right? Every single person that was out there that was pushing it was a federal informant. So I got to say that it just, if, if you watch the movie to the actual end and find that point, I was like, you know, they, they, they actually kind of did the, that one right, right? The search for QAnon on Reno. Look. Corporate America has totally lost the plot. We've seen this from Disney. We've seen, of course, Katzenberg came from Disney. We're now seeing it with CNN Plus. We're seeing it with the rest of them. Build a relationship with your audience and you will be successful. It's as simple as that. A common Tennessee W just dropped. Tennessee has now passed a bill requiring drunk drivers to pay child support if they kill a parent. The bill is named after the daughters of a police officer killed in a DUI hit and run. Uh, it was named after the two daughters of a state police officer, Nicholas Gallinger, who was killed in a hit and run by a drunk driver in 2019. Look, gotta say, totally support this. The only thing about this bill that I don't support is that currently it's only effective within the confines of the state of Tennessee. We need this in 50 out of 50 states and then including the U.S. territories as well. Puerto Rico, Guam, it's coming. D.C., it's coming, right? It's as simple as this. And we've been talking a lot about this because when we went through uh, Justice Hanji Brown-Jones Jackson's um, hearings, we talked about what is the purpose of criminal law? Is the purpose of criminal law social reform? Well, I would say that criminal law certainly can have an effect on social reform, but the direct purpose of criminal law is justice for the victims. And because we've been pushed with so many of these social reform movements again and again and again, you heard it again, criminal justice reform, criminal justice reform, you totally take the victims out of the entire equation. And it's simple. This should always be about the victims, the people who are left behind when there is a crime like this. And drunk driving in this country has gotten to the point where people think it's, it's funny. People like joke about getting a DUI, somebody has one and say, oh, that's no big deal. Politi it used to be shameful for politicians. Now, 
people don't even care about it. Ted Kennedy was a senator for what, like 40 years after his drunk driving accident killed the passenger, Mary Jo Kopechny, and then he swam away from the car and he kept getting elected over and over and over. We're sick of this. And as a society, we're at this sort of moral crossroads right now. Do we want to go into a place where we're just constantly talking about social reform, social reform, social reform, and you know, people aren't criminals, they're oppressed, and there's an oppressor class, an oppressed class, and use this Marxian dialogue to kind of understand how everything works? Or are we going to step back and say, we have society, and we have a system of laws, and we can reform laws. There's so many laws that I'd like to reform. Are you kidding me? I'm a conservative, right? That's kind of the whole point. But at the same time, you have to understand what's the purpose of law in the first instance. And the purpose of criminal law, specifically in this case, you know, you put somebody behind bars, right? And that is a punishment, obviously. But should there, shouldn't there ought be restitution for the family of the victim? This is an ancient practice, actually a biblical practice. If you go and read your Old Testament, even parts of the New Testament, it is a biblical practice. Restitution for the family of the victims. And I don't mean eye for an eye, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm obviously not talking about that. But doing something to try and make things right. And as a benefit, as a secondary benefit, it sends a message to anybody else who might even be considering getting behind that wheel. When we live in an age of Lyft and Uber and taxis and text messages, and you have no excuse, you literally have no excuse right now in the day and age that we live in right now to choose to get behind the wheel if you are impaired, right? If you're doing that, you've made the choice in that instance. You've made the choice to commit the crime when you've had so many alternatives to do something else. And so honestly, I applaud this law. God bless everyone who passed it, and let's get more of this more of this energy going. And that is it. That's all the time we have here for Human Events Daily. Uh, I want to say thank you to the America First Policy Institute for hosting me here, allowing me to do the podcast. I'll be speaking later today. Uh, we are at the America First Policy Summit here in Atlanta, Georgia. So go to AFPI. You can check out. You can watch all the videos, all the live streams of this, the podcasts that are going to be coming out are going to be amazing. I'm going to be talking about China a little bit later. What did we talk about today? First, Elon Musk securing $48 billion in financing for Twitter. The feds subpoenaing Hunter Biden and James Biden. CNN Plus shutting down and Tennessee's bill on drunk drivers. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. Today, in 1864, the U.S. Congress passed the Coinage Act, which led to In God We Trust being printed on U.S. coins. Remember our promise or oath or solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.